0: Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet, reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, pharmaceutical giant Gilead will donate prep medications for up to 200,000 American individuals in the effort to stop HIV. Cuban gays stage an impromptu pride march after the government canceled their annual parade in Havana. A school in Indiana planned to deadname a transgender student at graduation, and Matt Bomer plays a gay weatherman in the upcoming movie Papi Chulo. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. The Department of Health and Human Services has announced that pharmaceutical giant Gilead Sciences has agreed to donate pre-exposure prophylaxis medication, also known as PrEP, for up to 200,000 individuals a year for up to 11 years. PrEP is used to reduce the risk of HIV infection in individuals who are at higher risk for HIV. It has been shown to reduce the risk of new infection by up to 97% when taken consistently. The agreement will provide medication to treat individuals who are at risk for HIV and who are uninsured. This donation will deliver Gilead's PrEP medication Truvada, which currently costs about $2,000 a month, to up to 200,000 people a year, including in the states and counties identified as priority areas to end the HIV epidemic in America. Gilead will donate Truvada until its second-generation HIV-preventative medication, Descovi, becomes available. At that time, Gilead will donate Discovi. The agreement would end after 11 years or when a generic version of Discovi becomes commercially available, whichever comes first. The government has agreed to cover costs associated with distributing the drugs. Now, some folks point out this isn't as simple a case as the Gilead folks being really generous. As the Washington Post reported in March, the US government spent years, as well as tens of millions of taxpayer dollars, developing the treatment. The federal government patented the treatment in 2015, but doesn't make a penny from it. Gilead calls the government's patent invalid. Meanwhile, Gilead, which has a U.S. monopoly on the drug, has cleaned up. Last year alone, the pharmaceutical giant earned $3 billion on sales of Truvada alone. Over 100 Cuban LGBTQ activists held an impromptu pride march after Cuba's National Center for Sex Education abruptly canceled the country's 12th annual march against homophobia earlier this week. That's the country's equivalent of a pride march. Over 100 people took to the streets of Havana on Saturday, May 11th, carrying rainbow pride flags and chanting, Long Live a Diverse Cuba! The march lasted for roughly half a mile from Havana's Central Park down to the seafront boulevard before being halted by security forces. At least three of Saturday's marchers were arrested by police officers, and others were ordered to disperse. The impromptu march was unprecedented for Cuba. Civil society is tightly controlled in the one-party communist country where the authorities often heavily restrict the use of public spaces. The annual Pride event was an exception to that rule for the last dozen or so years and has been seen as a demonstration of the progress LGBTQ rights have made in the island republic in recent years. Mikel gonzalez Vivero, an independent journalist and LGBTQ rights activist in Cuba, said the unauthorized march was a milestone for both LGBTQ rights and the civil society movement in Cuba, according to Reuters. He said, quote, This moment marks a before and an after for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community, but also for Cuban civil society more generally. Social media is playing its role, and civil society demonstrated its strength, and can go out on the streets if necessary, and from now on the government will have to take that into account. Cuba's National Center for Sex Education condemned the unauthorized march, calling it a provocation. The center is run by Mariel Castro, the daughter of Communist Party leader Raul Castro. Mariel Castro remains one of Cuba's most high-profile advocates for LGBTQ rights. The Center announced the cancellation of their annual march earlier this week, claiming that some groups were planning to use the event to undermine the government. But some LGBTQ activists said the cancellation was more probably due to pressure from influential anti-LGBTQ evangelical groups in Cuba. While tensions from religious and conservative elements in Cuban society remain, LGBTQ rights in the island republic have improved in recent years. For instance, it's illegal for employers to discriminate against people because of their sexuality or gender. And the country has also offered free gender affirmation surgeries since 2008. The Spartacus Gay Travel Index 2019, which ranks countries on their LGBTQ friendliness, puts Cuba in 47th place out of 197 countries, which is fairly equivalent to the United States, Thailand, and Costa Rica. The father of a transgender teen launched a petition pleading that an Indiana high school read out his son's preferred name, rather than his dead name at graduation. The administration at Fort Wayne's Homestead High School insisted on reading Wyatt Thomas's dead name because of an unwritten standard, according to the teen's father, Brian Thomas. However, thousands of people have rallied to support Wyatt by signing the petition started by his father. His friends, family, teachers, and schoolmates all know high school senior as Wyatt. But as graduation looms, Wyatt faced being deadnamed at his own commencement ceremony. As Thomas wrote in the petition hoping to change this, quote, "What is meant to be a celebration will instead be yet another moment of humiliation and embarrassment." Thomas started the petition earlier this week with a goal of 5,000 signatures. As I speak these words, over 14,000 supporters have signed the online petition. The petition implores the administration to respect Wyatt's identity and call him by his name. Wyatt has been identified as such since the summer between his freshman and sophomore years. Thomas wrote, As Wyatt's parents, we ask that our wishes be honored on behalf of our precious child. Call the name he will bear legally once the lengthy process of a name change is complete. Call him what his future university calls him. Call him what we and many others call him every day. Call him Wyatt. Wyatt's brother, Ty Thomas, said he signed because, My brother deserves this. He's worked hard to find himself these past few years, and being called by his preferred name would be a symbolic culmination of his high school years. For many transgender people, undergoing a name change can be an affirming step in transitioning their gender. It can help trans folk and the people around them begin to see them as the gender they know themselves to be. However, transitioning can be a really bumpy ride. Changing names on government-issued identification and legal documents can be glacially slow in process, if not impossible, in certain areas of the world. Moreover, people may, intentionally or not, refer to a trans person as the name they used before they transitioned And that's what's referred to as dead naming, which can invalidate a transgender person's identity. This story has a happy ending as Wyatt's father shared the news on Friday that the school has acquiesced and will call him by his name come graduation day. Brian Thomas wrote on the Change.org page, the school has agreed to call him Wyatt at graduation. They are also trying to get his name into his diploma. According to the school's principal, Dr. Jinder, he's been called Wyatt for three years, so why not a graduation? Wyatt's father went on to write, This has been a matter of purposeful discussion and careful consideration on the part of the school, and a procedural decision has been made that benefits Wyatt. We are grateful the school took this request seriously and gave it the attention it deserves. India Moore has become the first transgender woman to be featured on the front cover of Elle magazine. The actress and model is featured on the magazine's June issue with an accompanying article profiling her experiences. The 24-year-old Moore is best known for her starring role in the hit TV series Pose, where she stars as sex worker Angel. Pose which began airing to great acclaim on Fox last year, has received high praise for casting transgender people in starring roles. In the interview in Elle magazine, Moore spoke about how her parents struggled to come to terms with her as a trans youth. She said, quote, Because I was assigned male at birth, they expected me to be masculine or to perform the way they thought young boys should perform, and I did not. They didn't understand. They had never experienced what it was like to have a family member who was genderqueer. Moore says she left home when she was only 14 years old and became the victim of sex trafficking. In the article, she discusses how she was contacted on Facebook by people who offered her hormone therapy in exchange for sex. She says, quote, They told me they had a lot of friends who were trans, and they wanted to help me in my process, and that they could help me to get the money that I needed to be a woman. They told me that all I had to do was play with these men who will come in for a moment to see me and play with me, and then they'll give me money. Looking back, Moore says she didn't understand exactly what sex trafficking was at the time. However, She found her big break when producer and director Ryan Murphy was casting for the TV series Pose. When she was recruited for the show, she experienced an almost instantaneous move from homelessness to stardom. She tells Elle, I just knew my life was going to change. I knew I had a chance to teach the world something that would help more people to be safe. She also says, I don't know how to have fun. When I'm around people having conversations about their day, I'm looking at them like, what could they possibly be talking about? How are we not talking about deconstructing white supremacy right now? How are we not trying to save trans people? She adds, I don't know who I am outside of someone who's just trying to be free and find safety for myself and for others. Make sure you check out India Moore on the cover of Elle Magazine's June issue. and hunky-out actor Matt Bomer stars in the upcoming buddy comedy Papi Chulo. Bomer plays Sean, a gay weatherman who hits a rough patch of depression following a major breakup. Written and directed by gay Irish filmmaker John Butler, Papi Chulo made its world premiere last fall at the prestigious Toronto International Film Festival. The official synopsis reads... After a newly singled TV weatherman is put on leave following an on-air meltdown, he directs his energy into home improvement and hires a middle-aged Latino day laborer named Ernesto, played by Alejandro Patino, to help. Despite a language barrier and having nothing in common, the two men develop an unexpected but profound friendship in this darkly comedic reflection on class, ethnicity, ethnicity and companionship in contemporary Los Angeles. In the trailer, Sean tells Ernesto, I'm going through a rough patch. My ex has been gone for about six months now, and I have to admit I'm not good at being alone. I never have been. Bomer earned an Emmy nomination and a Golden Globe Award for his performance in HBO's The Normal Heart, and recently appeared on Will & Grace as news anchor McCoy Whitman, Will's love interest. The 41-year-old made his Broadway debut last year in the acclaimed revival of the groundbreaking gay drama The Boys in the Band. Producer Ryan Murphy has already announced he will produce a screen version of the production for Netflix. Bomer also can be seen starring in the DC Universe series Doom Patrol. Papi hits theaters June 7th. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.